0: In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the sixth Sunday of the great fast and we read the story about the man who was born blind and lived his entire life blind, never having seen light or seeing any other human being. And when the Apostles saw him and they saw the miserable state of his life that he was in, they assumed that the reason that he was born blind was some kind of punishment some punishment either because of something the man had done although he was born this way or some punishment for his parents because of something they had done that he would be born this way but the Lord responded to this and he said to them in John 9 verse 3 he said neither this man nor his parents sinned but that the works of God should be revealed in him that God allowed this man to live in this state of blindness from birth up until this very moment that we are about to read and to experience and to see so that the works of god and the glory of god would be revealed in this man and so we can contemplate on what are these works of god that he would allow this man to remain in the state of blindness so that the work of god would be revealed it also reveals to us the focus of god is primarily on our salvation This is the thing that God cares about. He cares about revealing himself. He cares about offering himself for the salvation of the world so that people would see him, understand him, know him, turn to him and find salvation. Even though he does not enjoy our suffering and he does not benefit from the suffering that we experience, but if suffering was necessary in order for us to have salvation and to be saved, then Christ even allows this. So we can contemplate on what are these works of God that he says that the works of God would be revealed in this man. And that was the reason that he was born blind. The first work of God that we see is that God seeks those who have never seen the light. Those people who are living in darkness, those people who maybe nobody pays attention to them, or they live completely away from God, completely away from the church, completely away from the truth, and, and, and maybe we would look at them and say, how is it that these people could be saved? But we read in Luke 9 verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Those things that maybe man has discarded, that many, maybe society looks at and says these people are not, are not even on our radar screen, and maybe as individuals we say, how is it could such a person be saved? Actually, these are the people that the Lord came to save. In His incarnation, the Lord sought after the thieves, the tax collectors, the harlots, the adulteresses. Those are all of the people that the Lord came to see and to speak to. The people that no one else would speak to. The people who uh, were assumed by the Pharisees to be lost and have no hope of redemption by any means. But actually in the doxology that we say during matins in the morning, when during the great fast, we actually are asking God to make us like them, to make us like the thief, to make us like the adulteress, to make us like those people who maybe were the outcasts of society and those people who no one would ever imagine that they had any hope of salvation, but those were the ones who accepted Christ. Those are the ones who were redeemed, even before the teachers of the law, even before the scribes and the lawyers and all of those people who were the experts of the law. And anyone would look at them and say, these are the righteous. These are the, these are the, these are the ones whom have been chosen. And these are the first ones to enter the kingdom of heaven. And yet, actually, no. In the gospel reading of the Matins and this morning, we read the passage where the Lord uh, rebukes the scribes and the Pharisees. And he says to them, woe to you. Woe to you because not only are you not saved, not only do you not have salvation, but you are preventing the salvation of others through your commandments and, and through your tradition. And yet we read again that the, the son of men came to seek and save that which was lost. So this is the first work of God that we learn about this man. That this man, even though he lived in suffering his, for his entire life, and yet he was not actually away from the plan of God. God knew him, God knew him by name and he was preparing him for this very moment to be glorified and so that he would see not just in the physical sense the sight that he would receive, but he would receive the spiritual sight and be able to contemplate and understand that this man actually who came and who who did this miracle with him is the son of God and so that he would worship him and he would be completely transformed and changed. So this is the first work of God that was revealed. God cares about us. God cares about the sinner. God seeks those who are in darkness so that we would see. The second work of God that, we, that is revealed is that God's grace is enabled by man's obedience. This man who was blind, Christ asked him to do something. Even though Christ was, of course, able and ready to heal him in an instant and in a moment without even asking him to do anything. We know, of course, that he could do so. But what he did is he made mud and he put it on his eyes and he told him to go and wash. There was some aspect of this miracle that required the human action, something that he had to agree to. You know, this man could have very easily said, what are you doing putting mud on my face, putting mud on my eyes, get away from me. Don't come near me again and don't ever do this again. We could imagine very, very much that a person could have responded this way. This man was already disgraced enough. This man was already humiliated enough. This man was already in such a low state, living in, in blindness, being a beggar, needing to live off of the welfare of other people, not being able to do anything for himself. And now this man comes and puts mud on his face. Wouldn't someone, we could imagine, be even more offended by this act and not do, not do what the Lord asked him to do. But this man had a faith and he believed, and he believed that he had nothing to lose. I might as well try and do what is it that the Lord had said, and he went to the pool that the Lord had said, and he washed, and he gained his sight. So the grace of God, although it is powerful, and although it is available in order for all of the world actually to be saved, So what prevents the salvation of the entire world? It's actually the human beings themselves. The the lack of desire for salvation, the resistance to the work of the Holy Spirit, that one even we hear the word of God, we refuse to do according to what God has said. There was a region actually where the Lord was traveling and there were many people there who were sick. And it says about this in Mark chapter six, it says, now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. The reason actually that the Lord himself, it says he could do no mighty work, he could do no mighty work, and the reason was a lack of faith of the people. Imagine that the Lord, in all of his power and all of his glory, who is able to do all of these miracles, he goes into a region, and then it is said about him, he could do no work there. He could do no miracles there. He could not heal any people there. And the reason was not because something lacking in him, but because of something lacking in the people. That they did not have the faith. They did not have the obedience. They, didn't, they were not going to listen to him or to give him heed or to consider in any way that what he says and what he is going to do is real. And so Christ could not do any work. So the second thing that we learn in this story is that grace is enabled by man's obedience. We have to be fellow workers with Christ. It is indeed for sure that the things that Christ does that human beings cannot do. There is no way for us to do the things that he does. There is no way for us to cure ourselves. That man born blind, he could not cure himself. It was only through the grace of God working in him. But had he not uh, accepted, had he not cooperated with what is it that the Lord asked him to do, then he would have still remained in his blindness. So when the Lord comes to us and he tells us how we should live, when he tells us that we should put away sin, when he tells us where to go and where not to go, These things are very important for us to receive the grace of God. He is willing to work but also we must work. The third work of God that is revealed in this story is that he was able to create an eye for this man who was born blind. He was able to shed light in him, to make him to see the truth, to realize the the true reality. That even though, yes, this man was cured of his physical blindness, but by the end of the story, the greatest thing was not the curing of physical blindness, but the curing of the spiritual blindness. St. Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Meaning those who choose to forsake the world, those who choose to leave behind the attachments of the world, the darkness that is in the world, the sinful lusts that are in the world, those people will see with a spiritual sight things that had always existed but they just never knew, they never saw before the true reality. We are saying that this world that we are living in is passing away and there will be a time where this world will not exist. If we spend all of our effort, all of our energy, learning and advancing ourselves only in this world and not in anything else, we will find ourselves being very, very wise in something that is corrupted, in something that is destructed, that that doesn't exist anymore, it is destroyed. If we spend all of our time advancing ourselves in the worldly wisdom and not in the spiritual or heavenly wisdom, the day will come when we will find that all of our efforts have been in vain. There is nothing for me to do. There is nothing that I can apply my wisdom to. Those people who are wise are the ones that have the heavenly insight, the ones that see the heavenly things. An example of this is a story of Elisha the prophet and his servant, that when they were surrounded by the Syrian army coming to kill them, the the servant of Elisha was afraid because he saw this great army amassing around them. And they were, of course, not strong enough to stand against this army. But Elisha responded to the servant and he said, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then it says, then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Elisha from the beginning, he was not afraid and his lack of fear was because he had the, the, the spiritual insight. He could actually see these chariots of fire. This, this army of God that was on their side ready to do battle with the Syrian army that was about to attack them. And so Elisha was undisturbed and he, he continued in his peace and kept his peace because he saw the power of God working and he could see the things that were invisible to the human eye because God had given him the spiritual insight. And this army was there all along. But the the young man, the servant of Elisha, he just did not see it. He did not know it until Elisha pointed it out to him so that he could see. So this creating an eye for the blind is an eye for all of us to where we can see the spiritual powers, the spiritual reality. And we can also see the spiritual enemies and realize that our enemies are not flesh and blood. Our enemies are not the natural disasters. Our enemies are not the things in this world and the people in this world that we normally would consider our enemies. Our enemies are the spiritual enemies. And those spiritual enemies are the ones that are deceiving us, that keep us in blindness, that make us to want to live for this world and not for the next. So a work here that the Lord did was to create an eye, to make a person who was living in blindness their whole life, not only to see physically, but to see spiritually. And by the end of this story, worship Christ. The fourth work that is revealed in this miracle is the transforming of a blind beggar into a courageous debater. After again, the man was healed and the Pharisees are coming to him and they are questioning him, interrogating him and saying, how did this happen to you? How is it that you are able to see now when as before you were not able to see? Of course, they did not want to accept that the Lord Jesus Christ is actually the one who was able to restore his sight and to create eyes where there were no eyes. He did not even have eyes. And yet the Lord created the eye for him, the only one who can create an eye. No amount of, uh, of medicine and advancements of medicine would be able to do so even today. And yet the Lord who is the creator is the one who took the dust of the earth and he formed it into an eye and he put it in the man. So the Pharisees of course they wanted to understand and they refused to accept that this actually was a miracle that was done and they wanted to believe that there was something else the man maybe was could already see or maybe this was another man and they questioned his parents and they questioned the man. And so of course the man if you know knowing this great miracle that was done to him he could not deny And he said no this is this is this is truly a miracle and i am truly the man that this happened to and we read in verse 33 the man who is now debating with the teachers of the law debating with the pharisees and he said to him he said to them if this man were not from god he could do nothing he was emboldened to speak to them This same man who maybe just a, a little while before was living a very humble life and would never have spoken boldly to anyone feeling always that he was less than others, not being able to see. And yet this man, he stood up strongly and he said, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And he stood up against the lies of the Pharisees and in boldness countered their arguments in order for them to realize that truly this was the man and truly the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who did this miracle. Again, whenever we see the glory of God that is working in our lives, and we truly feel and taste the goodness of God, we become emboldened to stand against the voices in the world that are are arguing against his existence. How is it that the Lord could not exist? When we see his power, when we see his grace, when we see his glory, when we see him working in our lives, when we see him working in the church, how could we stand and, and, and allow people to say, God does not exist, and we just accept this? No, we became, and and this man became this debater, like courageously standing for his faith. We also should do the same. You know, it's one thing to be humble and to be meek, but when someone begins to blaspheme the name of our God, we should not just stand and say nothing and do nothing and say, you know, what good is it going to do for me to speak? This man, again, he silenced the Pharisees. There was no answer that they could give because he spoke from his experience. He spoke from what he himself saw and experienced and the Lord who touched him. And there was no argument against this. So also when we are filled today in a world that has so many debates and so many points of view and perspectives and arguments, we need to also make our voice to be heard and to declare the truth and the of the God that we worship. Finally, the work of God revealed in this man is that he chose the weak to shame the wise in first corinthians 1 it says but god has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and god has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty those things which are mighty are those people and those um, institutions in the world that have great power and that wield great influence and through their influence and through their power, they can deceive or they, they um, make it such that only the worldly knowledge and the worldly things and the worldly philosophies are the things that um, can be discussed or the things that um, are allowed. And anything beyond this is not allowed and anything beyond this is canceled and nothing else is allowed except what it is that they say. Here, of course, the Pharisees had a certain view and, they, and, and it was completely against their view to accept the idea that Jesus was God. They refused this. And so anything that were to happen to promote the idea that Jesus was God, whether it through his miracles or his, through his teachings or whatever it might be, they tried to cancel this. They, 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 they hated this. Anything that happened um, that promoted the idea that Jesus was God, they tried to um, fight against it. And yet the Lord chose this weak man, again, this very humble man, who had no power or position. And through this man, God declared his own glory and against all of the wisdom, the worldly wisdom of the Pharisees. So again, God is shown and in, in, in glorified by taking the weakest thing, the thing that on its own could never have risen to such a level, and to make it to be something that even Uh, debates against and rivals the greatest and strongest things that we find in the world. It actually was said the same about the apostles. When the people realized that the apostles are uneducated men, what training did they have? What, 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 What education did they have to be able to teach and preach the way that they did? To be bold in the way that they did? To even be willing to sacrifice their lives in the way that they did? And then it says what? And they remembered that they were with Jesus. Right? Those people who were with Jesus, they are the ones who were able to be bold. They were the ones who were able to stand against the world and even sacrifice their very lives for the sake of this message that they preached. So it's very important here that we understand the way that God works. God works with the smallest, with the weakest, with the thing that again was discarded that nobody would consider has any power or any relevance. God takes this small thing and he empowers it and he glorifies it and he uses it even to shame the wisdom of the world. So in this passage today, we learn many things about the way that God reveals himself and how he revealed himself through, the, through this uh, poor blind man. And, and which is the reason why God allowed him to suffer in this way so that in this moment God could be glorified and that his power could be made known. The five reasons we said of the works of God that are revealed is, th- is that um, we, it is revealed that God seeks those who never saw the light God's grace is enabled by man's obedience. God created an eye for the blind. God transformed a blind beggar into a courageous debater. And then finally God chose the weak to shame the wise. So in such uh, a story, when we walk away from this, we should also realize and understand that maybe the sufferings we have experienced, the life experiences we have had, the struggles that we have had are for the same purpose so that the works of God may be revealed in us so that God may be glorified in us, so that actually our salvation is more secure because of whatever trials God allows us to endure and to experience, just like as with this man who lived his entire life in blindness up until this moment. Let's look beyond the, 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 the small, maybe short-sighted view that we have of our lives and the struggles that we've experienced and try to take uh, an expanded view what is our life on the larger scale and why is it that God allows the things that he does even if we cannot find a specific answer at least we can trust and know that whatever God allows is for our good and glory be to God forever amen